to the Life Podcast. Yes, sir. Living intentionally for eternity, people. We are here again, and I have a very, very, very special guest with me. Um, you've heard so much about this man come out of my mouth over a period of time. So I'm so happy to finally have him on the podcast. We're hoping that he joins us as a co-host for more podcasts. But for now, we're just thankful to have him alongside. You've met my uncle on a previous podcast, but now you get to meet the man who gave birth to me, David Oots. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Desmond. I really appreciate it, man. I appreciate you. So this is my dad. David Oots, uh, he's been influential in my life in so many ways. The coolest man that I've ever met in my life. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> uh, um, I think when he walks, he levitates. <laughs> stop. stop. <laughs> he's a cool guy. He's a cool guy, and uh, I'm, I'm so privileged to be his son. Um, you know here at Life, we talk about faith. We talk about manhood, we talk about parenting, we talk about family. There's so many things that we cover, and there's so many other things that we could cover. But for this episode, what we want to do, kind of coming straight out the gate, we want to just dialogue with one another, see what's new in your life, see what's new in my life. A lot of changes since the last time I did the podcast. So we just want to kind of vibe out, see what happens. So just to start, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's been a wonderful day, uh, holiday weekend. Enjoyed it, especially coming off of the funeral this weekend. Um, had another day to kind of unwind and reflect, and um, just just get my mind right. Um, and I think this right here is an excellent opportunity for me to kind of refocus on you know the things that we we find purposeful and trying to be intentional. So again, I thank you for inviting me, and I look forward to whatever. Um, we do in the future. Amen. Um, it's it's been it's been challenging. Yes, to say the least over the last two years. Yes, I mean rough, it's been a rough two years. It really has been. It has been for our immediate family and our expanded family. I mean, it has been, and a lot of blessings though. That's what I was gonna say. It's yeah. this it's this mix between such grief. But new life coming in in so yeah. many different forms. Right. It's so crazy. So for those who don't know, we've I've had a child, Macy Autumn Oots. She came in November, November twelfth, twenty twenty one. Right. And then my sister just gave birth to Liliana. Yes. Another girl into right. the family. Who run the world? Girls. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Another right. girl to our family. Yes. Liliana just came. She's Nicole and Lawrence's third child. Third child. First girl. First girl. Yes. So you are up to how many grandkids? Well, a total of uh, seven mm -hmm. paternal grandkids. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we had some additions to our family through, through marriage and through um, just through addition yep <laughs> yeah so um yeah so i think i'm up to 10 10 10 total grandkids 10 total grandkids and, and the ages are are, are are varied i got the 16 down to a couple weeks a couple weeks Three weeks yeah so anybody want to babysit or anybody missing a child just want to have a good time I, just tell me what age group you want and we will provide <laughs> yeah so I mean that's that's on a, a lighter end. Yes. Um, and I think God has been very faithful 
and weaving these things together. Mm-hmm. Some people go through grief like such a tumultuous time when they just see darkness for so long. But right. in our grief, it's still been new life yeah. and good things happen. Cycle of life. Man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just yeah. just just life happening, man. Mm-hmm. Um and and I just thank God that we're grounded. We're grounded in the faith to help us deal with the grief. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um to keep moving forward as a family in building and maintaining those legacies that, you know, some some great people to us uh passed on to us. Yeah, so on the other end, amen to that. On the other end, we've been experiencing grief. Yeah. Uh, for last Saturday, this past Saturday, we just um, had a homegoing service for our grandmother, my grandmother, Maxine Mary Oots, Mary Maxine Oots. Yeah. And that's my father's mom. Right. Um, he has a particular view. And two years before that, we lost Pop, right. my grandfather. Yeah, 2020. 2020 at the beginning of COVID. Right, just before the pandemic. Yeah, right before the shutdown. Right, so we had Pop died, then we had a national Yes. A global reset, to say the least. And then we come out of that, and then we lose grandma. Right. Um, So, with that being said, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's been an emotional roller coaster, to say the least, for the last, I say, uh, since October. Um, so about uh, eight months now, going on nine months. It's been it's, it's been it's been challenging, but at the same time, I just praise God for the time that I got to spend with her. Um, that was really enriching, and just made me deal with it a whole lot better, deal with her death a whole lot better, because unfortunately, I got to see the de- deterioration of her, but I also got to talk to her about a lot of things and understand a lot of things so yeah it, it, it's it, it was rough it was rough but i'm doing good though i'm doing well she dies on a tuesday yes. morning yes what are you thinking the next morning the next morning immediately i'm thinking what do i do now hmm. that was because she had been pretty much my whole mindset. My, I was, I was, the, the, I was just preoccupied with her, you know, trying to do everything I could to make her comfortable, to attend to her needs, um, to make her not feel lonely, to ensure that other people, you know, trying to get to see her and everything and, and, and engage with her. So that, that, that next day, that was my thing. It was, it wasn't, I'm not going to say it was an emptiness, but it was, uh, almost like, Oh, I, I hate to say it, but it was almost like, what's my purpose now? You know, because that was that was what I was doing. And it just gave me and I am someone who unfortunately like or has to feel needed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I wasn't needed for that particular case, that particular situation anymore. So, yeah, that, that, that was what I felt the very next day was, what do I do now? Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Purpose. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you said for eight months you had purpose. Right. And 
what feelings comes what what was your emotions and we're gonna talk about feelings yes what were your feelings and emotions when it came to I don't know what my purpose is. What, what was happening in your soul and your mind and your heart? What was happening once you had to come face to face with? I don't have anything really to do now. Yeah. I have no more excuses, maybe. Go ahead. Right. But if you can recall, um, no secret to, within our family was I was struggling during that time also, kind of with my mental health. And um, so being in that situation, gave me a reason to just get up and go every day you know and not so so it was giving me a purpose not to succumb to what was going on in my life because as you know for a long time i just kind of detached yep and um and, and that was very harmful to me and to my relationships so that situation with my mom gave me purpose gave me reason to get up and go every day um and to and just and to just um, occupy my mind, give me some something to think about other than my own selfish thoughts and and selfish um, behavior that I was I was I was acting out in during that time. Yeah, yeah. I think oftentimes you think about the disciples. Yeah, Christ dies. Mm-hmm. Right. And they don't know what to do. Right. Good example. And they go back to what was... Comfortable. Familiar. Familiar. Yeah. What do they do? They go fishing. Yep. They go fishing. They go fishing. And where does Christ meet them? Right where they were. (laughs) He found them. Who found who out? He found them. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. We're having some technical difficulties. It's fine. But um, I think... That's what's next, though. So she's gone. Mm-hmm. You're gonna grieve that for a long time. I would, I would expect, and I think we gotta give you room to do that. Right. It's no just come back because I'm pretty sure today you're fine, but tomorrow you may not be. Exactly, and Have I learned you that had really those quickly. Yet? Yeah, I learned that rather quickly <laughs> because I tried to go back to work like uh, what five days after her death, um, assuming that I was okay. And I didn't make it all the way to work. I turned around, came back home, called my boss, and she said that um, she didn't expect me to come back to work anytime soon. So, yeah, I, I thought I was okay. And and like you said, there are times when you're fine, and then something would trigger a memory. And um, and, and sometimes it makes you smile, and sometimes it brings a tear to your eye. And, yeah, it's not an easy thing to do. And and dealing with both my parents' death, they were so they were so um, different emotionally. Um, with dad, I really took it hard in the fact that I just didn't expect for it to happen, you know, because yeah. he had so many ailments and illnesses that he bounced back from. Um, so when he did pass away, all of us were kind of like taken by surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, with my mom, it was expected, but at the same time. It still came sooner than we expected, if you can understand that, because she was under hospice care. But we we figured that we had a little bit more time and uh, God had other plans. In those moments, because God does have other plans, where were you with God? Um, Easy question. I mean, easy answer is 
I was I was in right standing with God in the fact that this was probably the closest I had been to him in a while leading, you know, coming out of what I was going through at the end of last year and just understanding how much I needed him to keep doing what I was doing because it was challenging. You know what I mean? It was um, tiring and it was, it was draining. I think that's the word I'm looking for. It was draining because she was difficult at times, you know, and you, you, you come to the point where you felt like I'm doing everything I can for you and it's still not enough. So understanding that when I get to the end of me, I'm not at the end of me if I just rely on who I say I belong to, mm-hmm. you know, so that caused me to really lean it, lean on God, man, lean on my belief system to to get me through and to have patience with her and everybody else, because I felt that a lot of people wasn't giving her the attention that she deserved. Mm. Fruit of the spirit, love. I mean, sorry. Fruit of the spirit, mm-hmm. love, peace, joy, gentleness, kindness, patience, self-control. All those things. What fruit of the spirit did you feel like the Lord was helping you bear fruit with? Patience, number one. Above all, patience. Um, dealing with my mom, showing kindness. And and the other, but that's easy when you're dealing with my mom, man. Because just knowing who she is, mm-hmm. and what she stood for, and what she gave other people, you know, it was easy to give that back to her. But at the same time, it was challenging. I mean, it really tested your patience because um, with the things that she was going through, she still had her same stubbornness that she had anyway. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. So you really have to um, take a step back and choose your battles. You know, you got to choose your battles in those situations. When to to push forward and push her to do things that she don't want to do. And when to just sit back and say, okay, you tell me what you want and that's what we're going to do. So so maintaining that balance just to keep... um, keep myself from lashing out at her because I never want to do that um, and to always make her feel like she's not a burden you know um, I think that was always in the forefront of my mind that that to make her feel like she wasn't being a burden and I just and I just thank God for giving me that opportunity because I got a full-time job mm-hmm. that I took off all of that time for to spend with her and to take care of her um, and part of it was because of what I was going through, but in the end, it was needed, and um, and I was able to, you know, through 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 the divine intervention of God, just walk back into my job with 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 no consequences. So were you worried? I was worried a little. <laughs> no doubt, I was worried because I didn't do the things that I was supposed to do procedurally. You know what I mean? In order to take that much time off. But um, having a good network of friends and, and a son. support system and a son that didn't mind do, uh, dipping into my business and sharing my business, <laughs> it worked out in my favor. Uh, so, yeah. 
good. So it was definitely a blessing to uh, be able to do all of that and uh, and be there for uh, God is amazing. He really is. Do you think that um, what was the difference? What's the, what's been the biggest difference between the death of Pop and the and Grandma? I think with Pop, um, like I said before, our relationship, my, my relationship with my father was one that that grew over grew, grew over time through just mutual respect, mm-hmm. you know. And as he became less independent, the one thing that I always wanted him to do is not to feel dependent you know mm-hmm. and to always let him do as much as he could on his own and feel like he was still a man so to see my father um, struggle the way he did the last week or so of his life was it wasn't surprising it was just um, it hurt because I It was selfish, you know what I mean? It was really selfish because it was like, this dude is so strong, this this is not happening to him. Mm. And I just say, um, you know, and and after he passed, I was just thinking, man, I just watched my father die. And you're not realizing that that's what's happening. No. Mm. I wasn't realizing that that was happening because I was so, um, just, just looking, just thinking that he was gonna bounce back. And if you if you can recall the way that it happened, it was like so fast. it was just so fast, and he just kept getting weaker and weaker, but without any real cause for him to get weaker and weaker. And I guess it was just mainly just natural death. His body was just starting to shut down. Dwayne actually, Dwayne is our my brother, my dad's father, oldest son. My dad's oldest son. He kind of came up with a a theory that I don't know. He thinks that Pop got COVID. I think Pop might have got COVID too. We don't know. Like, we don't know. Yeah. We don't, there's no. But when you look back on it, his respiratory uh, failure was, yeah. I mean, when he said it, it was like, nah, nah, he was kind of, but it was a dramatic. It was. But what what makes me think, no, is the same thing with Grandma. Like, so for people listening, Grandma went on dialysis. I mean, that. Dialysis. Dialysis the first of in, in October. October. Beginning of October. Beginning of October. She went on. She went on dialysis because yeah. her kidney, right? Yeah, failure. Yeah, she had kidney failure. Okay, and then you start to see progress. She was doing better. She's weak. Yeah. But she was better in some senses. Right. And then she yeah. fell. Right. There's so many things we can cover. Yeah, yeah. That that happened in a progression. Let's just do it. So yeah. October happens, she's on dialysis. Right. What happens after that? What happens in November, December, consequent months? What happens? Yeah, so she's on dialysis and in and, and, and her dialysis during that time it was making her sick. Okay. You know, and that, and that's expected with dialysis. That it takes about three months for your body to adjust to it to the point where you start feeling you don't feel weak and drained and sick and everything with the nausea and everything. So she was going through that. But mom also had a host of other problems, a host of other ailments that that um, contributed to her 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 overall health problems. You know, she was diagnosed with lupus. She had emphysema, and if you know what emphysema is, that's a, that's you know your body just holds fluid. 
you know, in your joints and in your limbs. So she was always swelling. Um, she had just came off of um, treatment for breast cancer that was treated with radiation. So she was, of course, she was still taking medication for that. And um, and then she started to develop like um, nerve problems, problems with her nerves. So she started losing the use of her hands, losing the sensations in her hands and strengths in her hand. So um, she was diagnosed then with severe carpal tunnel, but she was also um, diagnosed with severe neuropathy, which is just the neural system where your where your where your system starts to deteriorate mainly from lack of use. Like atrophy, like atro atrophy. Yeah, but it's ap it's neuroapathy. Oh. I f I thought the first time they told me that they were saying neuroatrophy. Yeah. But it's neuropathy. Um. And so she was really starting to just lose <clears throat> muscle and function and everything. And just mainly from inactivity. You know what I mean? So with all of those ailments going on and it just, it just started to take a toll on her body. So, right, it started in October. <clears throat> By the end of the year, she was um, severely dependent on a cane. And she had some respiratory issues also where she couldn't really walk or do anything for a long period of time without losing her breath. So we were really worried about her like going to the store alone and stuff like that because she she wouldn't she couldn't catch her breath and she had to sit down and everything. So we started doing all her shopping and everything for her. Um, but it was tough because, she, of course, she wanted to be her independence and she wanted to do what she wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So you would get frustrated with her for being out there by herself mainly. And then in January, about the first of the year, um, she gradually moved to a walker <clears throat> because of her her inability to you know, maintain her balance and everything like that. So we, we started using a walker for her. Um, and by February, maybe end of January, we went from walker combination wheelchair. She could use her walker to get to the car. You know what I mean? And then from the car, it was all wheelchair. Um, tried to use the walker outside, but again, she just didn't have the energy and the endurance to do it. So yeah, so we were, we were using a wheelchair to get her around outside the house. And inside the house, she was falling a lot. <clears throat> so that caused me mainly to just understand that she couldn't be left alone. Because I would I would be in the house, or she would call and say, "Baby, I need you to come over. I, f I failed and I can't get up." Mm. Or what really did it for me was I came to the house a couple of times and she had fallen and couldn't get to the phone. Oh man! So she was, so she, was she just would, yeah, she would just be on the floor for hours, and you know, and just praise God that I was just happy to be coming that day or I, I say let me stop past mom's house for whatever reason and I walk in the door and I hear is help, help, help. So that was one of the reasons why I decided that she just couldn't be alone for any long periods of time. You know what I mean? So yeah, that was the progression, man. And um in March <clears throat> so by the by March she was pretty much just leaving the house to go to dialysis. Mm-hmm. And we were transporting her back and forth to dialysis and she would come home, she'd be tired, she'd sleep. But in that time, we were trying to encourage her to get up and move around, you know, but she's 79 years old, mm -hmm. you know, she got all these things going on and the medication that she was taking was so, 
so massive amounts of medication that my mom was on, I feel like it contributed a lot to what was going on with her. I just don't think anybody should take that much medication. Was it painkillers? No. Well, some of them were painkillers. But some of them were just, you know, just to keep her functioning, I guess. But you're taking stuff for cholesterol. You're taking stuff for for the cancer treatment. You're taking stuff for um, eventually for her kidney. You know, it was just so much medicine that she was taking on a daily basis. So, yeah, so so in March, she uh, was sitting on the sofa, leaned forward too far and just kind of fell asleep and fell forward. Then rolled over to the side, ended up hitting her head on the wall. <clears throat> and that really led to the to the immobility and the paralysis that she ended up having to deal with for the last two months or so. You know, that the first time that I saw that happen, we were in mass night. Mm. And it was it was Taryn, I cut my cousin Taryn and I Uncle Lonzo and Aunt Cindy went to get some food. I think they were doing that initial shopping when we first get there. Yeah. And we were all laughing and she you know how funny she was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was being silly and right. just telling the silliest stories. And I, after we finished laughing, it was a little small spell and me and Taryn kinda of started talking. And I saw her eyes roll to the back of her head and she was sitting on her cane and her face hit the cane and she she fell over and rolled on her back. Instantly she gained conscious. She didn't like pass out or anything like that. Yeah. But I was so scared. I heard that story, yeah. And I'm like, turn, you gotta call Uncle Lonzo. You gotta I ain't say police. Right. Right. <laughs> you gotta call Uncle Lonzo. He gotta know. He gotta know. Like yeah. he gotta be here. And Turn was like, Desmond, calm down. Yeah. Calm down, Grandma, are you okay? And she was conscious. She could talk. Um, she was laughing at me because I was speaking hysterical. <laughs> you needed that. I needed that. <laughs> I was so scared because to see her eyes roll, like I saw everything. Yeah. It was like slow motion. Right. Like, what the heck? And then on her birthday last year. Yeah, in 2021. In 21 in Florida, she goes down with Uncle Lonzo to his new house and she passes out again. She had, mild a, stroke. had a mild stroke. Mild stroke. Yeah. And then you see the... So it was stages. Yeah. So I think the biggest difference that you said, it was stages with Grandma, but Pops was... Yeah. Like, it sudden, really was. Which makes you think it might have been COVID. It could have been. But the only thing that makes me think that it wasn't COVID was that we didn't catch COVID. And you were around him a lot. And I was around him a lot. But sometimes... But it was crazy like that, though. It was. It was. Like, it was, it but, was no, but no one tested positive. Um, I think I got sick right after his funeral. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I got sick right after his funeral, and um, but that was before anybody knew about COVID. So when I think back on it, I was like, well, maybe that might have been COVID for me because, of course, it was his funeral. You're shaking hands, you hugging people, you kissing people. You know what I mean? So I didn't kiss anyone. <clears throat> well, people kissing you, know, people <laughs> kissing you on your cheek and everything like that. So it's just a lot of it was just a lot of you know close. Proximity, proximity to everybody, and um, but again, we didn't know about it at the time because mm-hmm. he died, he died, you know, January fourth, January third, January fourth. It was early, and yeah, they didn't really declare COVID till March. March, exactly. Yeah, so we didn't, but it was it had to be here. Oh, it was here, but we didn't. It was here. We didn't just <clears throat> declare. Did you ever catch it? I never caught it. You remember? I- <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you caught. You, it. He was so. <laughs> I called. He was like, "All right, I'll see you." <laughs> <laughs> you stay over there with that, buddy. 
That thing I caught hurt. a check though, you know. <laughs> I made sure you was high. It hurts so bad. <clears throat> that I wouldn't wish that on my um, worst enemy. Yeah, I wouldn't wish that on your on my on my worst enemy. Okay, what what was why why everybody grieves different differently? Yeah, everyone grieves differently. Being there that night that she died. You were way more controlled than with Pop. Yes. What was happening? I needed to be. Understanding the situation. I needed to be um, in more control because I had um, control of everything. As far as all of her paperwork and um, explaining to the paramedics and everybody what was going on with her. Um, So it was a situation where I... Because I, when I did break down, um, you know, someone was holding me and I said, I got to get myself together because I got stuff to do. You know what I mean? I said, let me get myself together. I got stuff to do. And I just and I just slid into that to do that, you know. And I mean, it was almost like I didn't have any choice because they was asking questions and my brother Lonnie was like, uh, talk to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, it, yeah. it, so it was like it was forced. It was it was forced on me anyway. So, um, and just, again, knowing that, not knowing, but expecting for mom yeah. to, to, that she didn't have that much time, you know, even though we still, we didn't expect for it to happen. When it did, it was fast. Dad. It was fast because she had just came home from the hospital. Like that Thursday or Wednesday? That Friday. She came home that Friday. Um, we had the hospice care along with the in-home care for her, and that Tuesday night she passed away. Yeah. So definitely wasn't expected for it to be that long. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that that fast. We were probably thinking we would at least had a couple more weeks, maybe, because she was talking. You know what I mean? She was complaining. She was screaming. She was mm-hmm. hollering. You know what oh, I mean? <laughs> she was doing all of those things, man. So mm-hmm. you just felt like she just had plenty of life in her, mm-hmm. even though she was in pain or she wasn't comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I went to see her, when I went to see her the last time in the hospital, well, no, she was at the nursing. She was in the nursing. The last time you saw her? Nursing home. No, not nursing home. The, the rehab center. Yeah, rehab. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, the rehab. And I think that was the hardest time for me. Because you was telling me how she was, mm-hmm. but it's different when you see it. Yeah. She was almost a kid. Exactly. And that was really hard because of how I've seen grandma her whole life. Right. She was always the one caring. Even, I mean, 77, 76, 75, she still was going out and helping people older than her. Exactly. And you just never think, I don't know what it is, but I think it's something to it. You just don't think certain people are going to die. Like, I don't know. Even though we know, yeah. we know that people are going to die. Right. It's just like, for real though. Right. And when I saw her in the the, the nursing home or the rehab center, I just was, I was controlled. And I was trying to do everything that I could, but I was also very overwhelmed. Exactly. Um, but all I can really do is think about how God reconciled my relationship with her. And I, I even now I have so much joy that I got those last seven years with her, like eight or ten. 
And I just, I, I reflect on all those things because I still don't think I really, I've grieved it because I was trying to be there for you. Yeah. Like a lot. I yes, was just trying to make sure that you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I understood that and I appreciated it too. Yeah. So I was just trying to make sure that you, you, cause I think that's our role as children of children grieving. You, you do have to be self-controlled. And, and then I guess in this culture, people would look at you like you're a jerk for saying, no, you can't be all sporadic. You can. You can have your moments. Everyone got their moments. But like you said, it's still things I need to do. Right. Julius Irvin, Dr. J, gave a story. You know, he lost his son pretty early in his life. Yeah. And his wife, I think you know this story, his yeah. wife did not like how he handled the news of his son dying suddenly. Um. In a horrific accident. Car accident, was it? Yeah, they found him in a lake around their neighborhood yeah. after they had been searching for him for a while. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think it was a car accident. I don't know if it yeah. was homicide. It was something like that. And um, I think his wife just was so upset that he was so calm mm -hmm. and that he was still doing a good job with keeping everything together and keeping things moving smoothly. And his wife just could not understand how he was doing that. And she ended up leaving him after she that. Did. She, she left sure him did. because she said, you don't care. Right. You don't care that our son is dead. And his whole mindset was, but I still, life still goes on. Mm -hmm. And he said he grieved it. He cried. He still cries to this day, but it wasn't in front of everybody. He had mm -hmm. his moments because life still had to move on. And I think as men, that's what we have to do. Yeah, I'm not saying that women can't do that, but what I am saying is, Obviously, we know women are fillers. They're more emotional. They're more inclined with the emotion, which is a good thing because it compliments us who can sometimes don't care about emotions. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I think that's the hard, that's the hard part as well. When people don't understand that. Yeah. They're looking for you to be kind of emotional, hyperventilating, all that stuff. But like you said, people still need me. Yeah. You know, if something tragic happens to my wife, which I pray never happens, Lord, never let, Lord, never let it be so. But I would still have to be controlled because I have now three precious lives looking up to me for direction. Mm -hmm. I can't be every which way. And how do I do that? Because nobody can do that in their right mind mm -hmm. by the power and strength and courage that God gives you Amen. and God's people who surround you because it's no lone wolf. Right. You couldn't have made it through that without the help of some people that's been a great comfort to you man i give them so much credit so much credit for people supporting me understanding and um just always just there to serve you just there to serve you and 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 it's a big help it, it allows you to grieve <clears throat> if you're what if you're one that that's that's um hit by it that way like i was with my dad's death um I was able to grieve. I was able to to be emotional. Um, with my mom's death, it was a different story. I mean, I was able to do it, but at the same time, there were certain things that I had to do because only I could do them. So are you saying you could do it, you could be that emotional with Pop because grandma was still here? Yeah. Okay. You feel like yeah. she had it? Yeah, she had it. She was prepared? She, she was prepared. Um, other family members step up, stepped up to be there with her to do the things that she couldn't do. You know what I mean? To get her where she had to get to, to um, 
you know, do the the, the technical stuff, the computer stuff, mm -hmm. and all of that type stuff. And I really didn't have to do anything other than to give my input on certain things. You know what I mean? So it was, but with, even with both of them, um, family members that stepped up, you know, your cousin turn mm -hmm. was was awesome. Awesome. And um, shout out to you. Yeah, no doubt. She was awesome. I give her so much praise and just, I just love her to death. Amen. Because she was grieving also. Yeah. But again, she took on the example of her grandmother and did what she had to do because she knew that that's what mom stood for. Decency. Decency and all. <laughs> you know what I mean? And turn made sure that that was what was happening. So even though they were different, <clears throat> again, that support system is huge, man. Having that support system and having people around you that that care enough to serve you in a way that um, lets you do what you need to do, no matter what it is. You know, if if it's the uh, the heartbreak of the death that's causing you just not to, because when my dad's, I was kind of numb. You know, that whole probably week, week and a half period, I probably couldn't remember half the stuff that, that went on. So, but with my mom, I was very much in touch with what was going on and everything. But again, I didn't have to do a whole lot. So, yeah, praise God for, for, for support systems. Amen. Um, do you think it was also a crusher with Pop? Because by, at that time in your life, he was the closest person you ever lost. He was. That was new. That was new. Did that play a role in it? Yeah, by all means. Um, and and, and me, my dad and I, man, we just, everybody would say, no matter what was going on, he would say, call David. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that made some people mad. Mm -hmm. But I think that, I think that dad really appreciated the way that I did things without being forceful without making them feel useless. You know what I mean? Because some people can just, you know, make you feel like, get out the way or you don't know what you're doing or just let of me course, do it, dad. You know what I mean? And um, so I always just kind of engaged in him in a way that, that I felt like just showed him a respect and a reverence for what he could do and what he still, because my dad was sharp. Okay. All the way to the end. His yeah. mind was sharp. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So Grandma as well. I mean, she lost a little bit, but she yeah, was still her long-term memory was there. Yeah. yeah, she was still telling stories from 1967 yeah. yeah. and stuff like that. So her her long-term memory was there, but her short-term memory she was struggling with. But dad's mind was was still sharp. So, um I just I just felt good that I could do so much for him because my parents did so much for me. Tell you know me, what I mean? Me. They did. They did. I was a baby and they treated me like the baby. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There wasn't nothing that I could ask that they wouldn't do. Mm. You know, I put myself, I'm, I'm going to buy some bad choices that I made. I put myself in some difficult circumstances and they were right there to bail me out without any judgment, without any, uh, you know, <clears throat> um, uh, breaking me, breaking me down to feel like I was any less of, mm -hmm. of anything, you know. Um, they were there through my hard times dealing with my divorce mm. <clears throat> and, um, the, and and my financial struggles dealing with the divorce and the child support and everything like that. They were so supportive. There was nothing they wouldn't do for me, man. And 
And my dad came to any place I, in, the, in, in this country that I was when I was in the military. He was coming to visit me some kind of way. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so they were great to me. So I had no problem reciprocating that. Mm. I had no problem at all reciprocating any way that I could. And I had no regrets when either one of them passed away, you know, about the relationships that we had. Mm. I think... That's a beautiful thing, Dad, and I think it's a. I think it's a level of. That's the peace that you can have when, you know, you've done right by someone, in their life. That's the peace that you can have. Amen. Um, when you know you've done right. In a relationship, you're in the right relationship, <clears throat> right standing with, someone when they pass away. Uh, I think that's one of the most. That's a beautiful thing. You said something that I think translates big time to uh, faith. And why? Because of what your parents did for you, it wasn't a begrudging, obligatory thing to do it back for them. You did Amen. it because of the love that was in your heart for them. Amen. In the Bible, we know that naturally men don't love God. They actually hate him. Mm -hmm. But the Bible and scripture teaches that through God's spirit, he's poured out his love on us. Mm -hmm. And now we can love him well once we become Christians. Amen. Because he's given us a new heart and new affections to love him. Like God gives us the desire to love him because he pours out his love in our hearts. And it makes us want to reciprocate it. Amen. Not perfectly, but it makes us want to do it. It's not he's pulling us by our ear to obey him. Mm -hmm. That's that's most religions in the world. I want to do this so I don't get in trouble. I want to do this so I get rewarded. Right. I want to do this so I don't right. go to hell. I right. want to do this. So I want to do this. I want to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about me, 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 me. Right. It's either self-pity or if it's, it's just straight braggadocious. Um, when grandma died, what came to my mind was... I hate sin. Amen. I hate it in me, first and foremost, but I hate what it's done to everything. So much pain and grief is in this world, Dad. We don't Amen. need to look beyond the mirror a lot of times, but grandma dies, 14 people lose their lives in Texas, 10 or 13 are hurt or dead in Buffalo. We have a major problem. Death is everywhere. Mm -hmm. But for the Christian, where do we pull our strength, right? Where do we, wh how do we keep going? And I think most Christians don't know because they don't read what we're about to read now. But what's coming to my mind, all that to say, what was coming to my mind with as soon as she died and we were outside and they were carrying her away in that gurney, all I thought about was Romans 8, 18 to about 25. It says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Mm -hmm. 
For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. Yes. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Amen. Now, now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we will wait for it with patience. Amen. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to pray for, mm -hmm. as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he, he who searches hearts knows what's the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. For those who are called according to his purpose. That's what came to my mind. Yeah. We're groaning. Mm -hmm. Weeping man for the night. But joy comes in the morning. Yes. Things because of sin. Original sin. God said if you eat that fruit, you'll surely die. Mm -hmm. And death. If you used to sum up the history of the world. In a morbid way, it would be death. Everything and everyone dies. Well, Ecclesiastes says vanity, vanity, everything. Yes, vanity. Lord. Hey, Lord. Yes. And I think we don't often get, you should, we need to get there. We need to see the brevity of life. Psalm tells us, Lord, teach us the number of our days so that we may fear you. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we get there like, like, Redirect all your grief, all the pain, all the weakness, all the despair, and flip it and put it on to the eternity. Because when you have that, you're going through that, but you know the Lord, you have something to look forward to. Yes. Why do people hold the funeral? Why do the people try to take the people out the, exactly. out the casket and right. losing their mind and rolling on the ground and doing all that stuff? Why? Because they know they don't know anything beyond this world. They think that's the that's it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But us as Christians know that we were built for eternity. Ecclesiastes says that eternity with God built eternity into your heart. Mm -hmm. That's why the E in life is eternity. Yeah. We don't just live for now. We live for eternity. I like to say, until you get eternally settled, you're not living now. Amen. Amen. Get the end settled. Everything else in between that, you can have peace. That is so true. So that's where I was when I was thinking about Grandma Oots. Um, because I think death should make us look at, that's the destiny of all men. To lay in that casket. Unless God comes back, Christ comes back. Then we don't have to worry about that. But if he doesn't, all of us, our bodies are groaning. The world is growing and you don't hear it. Mm -hmm. Just listen. Yeah. People are in pain. People are in bondage. People are angry. People are being acted violently towards one another. There's so much despair everywhere. And the only true hope is in a savior. Praise but the God savior that it. the savior that the Bible presents, most people don't want. No. Because it's cause for self-denial. And grandma showed that. She endured. Yes. 
you know, she endured. Again, we're not talk, we're not gonna make her immortal. Right. <laughs> you know, that's what happens when people die is we try to remember the good stuff, which you should. Yeah. But she she endured. Yeah. With joy. Um, not perfectly, but she she did. So that's what I was thinking about when I as I was and in that moment, um, it went straight to the gospel. Um for me and and it gave me hope because I know that one day we'll take off these bodies of weakness and be clothed with glory and power. And the Bible confirms it. Jesus said it. He said, I want you to be where I am. I'm preparing a place for you. Amen. And when on that day, that mighty <clears throat> day, he's going to wipe away all our tears. All the weeping, as Pastor Zach says, he has every tear in the bottle. Mm-hmm. He has every tear in the bottle. Yeah. And on that day, he'll wipe them all away as we put our head in his bosom and we'll see him face to face. And guess who else we'll see face to face? His son. And grandma. And our loved ones. <laughs> that went Those before who made us. it, right? Yeah. Those who made it. So, yeah, man, I think that was, I think, I think that this, this was, a, that was a good way to like close that. We don't, we don't grieve like those without hope. No. <clears throat> We are confident that we'll see her again. We're confident that she's in the presence of the Lord and she has all the joy, not of this world, but of that world that supersedes the joy in this world. Right. She gets to see. She on earth. She had to walk by faith, Mm -hmm. not by sight. Now she don't need the faith anymore. She sees. She's there. She sees. No more sin. No more sin. Say it again. No more sin. sin. Oh, my goodness. Not in her or around her. Praise the Lord, because good gracious, and right. none of us even imagine that. I can't imagine. You can't imagine so being someplace I, where you don't even have a, a the capacity to sin. Can't even be tempted by it, right? Like it's, that's it's, it's not there. It's not there. It's not there. You so, know, because wow. God's there. So Amen. she, she, it's a momentary affliction is what Paul yeah. says in Corinthians. It's a, it's about a momentary. Affliction. You can endure something when you know it's temporary. Go ahead, Dad. Preach that thing. <laughs> How much can you endure when you know when you know it's temporary? You can endure a whole lot you can, when you know it's temporary. You can endure a whole lot when you know this too shall pass. Don't make permanent decisions based on temporary, temporary circumstances. circumstances. Yes, stand so, on it. Grandma had years and years. Oh, she not perfect health. No, but the last six months she endured. But yeah. what did she say to you? Um, talk about lastly. Talk about having to have that talk with her when the doctor says. For context, the doctor tells you, "Look, we got to go talk to your mom. We're gonna take her off dialysis. Like her body is shutting down. We got to start thinking about that H word that nobody likes to hear. Hospice." Yeah. Tell me about that process. How did you? can go as long as you want. You can make it brief. You can summarize it, whatever you want to do. But what was the process of having to go and tell her, Mom, um, doctors don't think. They think of Nate. I think you should be on hospice. And you know what that means. So you you explained it. How was that? It was sobering, first of all, because you're, you're at a level of denial. You know, even though you see what's happening. And it comes down pretty much to what they say, quality of life. Okay. You know what I mean? And so when they first started telling me about it, it was probably about a week or so. 
before we actually, you know, really did it. And I was like, and they was like, have you and your family talk, thought about hospice? And, and in my mind, I was like, please, hospice? Is she okay? I mean, we're going to, I mean, it's going to be expensive, but we're going to do what we need to do, you know? Um, but then one day I was going to visit her and I got a call from one of the doctors that was, you know, dealing directly with her a lot and was really evaluating her um, because the type of doctor that she was, I don't I don't know the word for it, but she deals with people who are more than likely about to transition. OK, uh, it begins with a P, but I, don't, I can't remember what it was. So she was really um, blunt and to the point with everything that was going on with mom. So when she told me that day, I was actually sitting in the parking lot at the hospital when she had this conversation with me talking about hospice and we have to decide what type of life my mom was going to have going forward. Dealing with everything that she was going through. Um, the fact that she was totally immobile and totally independent and it wasn't going to get any better. And that hospice is not final. Okay. You know, that hospice, some people come out of hospice. You know what I mean? It's just so, it, hospice is just a way to care for someone who is at a point where <clears throat> they can't do for themselves. Okay. And to give, and, and, and another part of that is to, to assist the family with comfort and um, assistance in any way needed, be it medical, spiritual, you know, those type of things. So once she explained everything to me, I understood it, but it was still like, wow, this is where we are, you know? So what exactly is it that we're going to do? So I sat in the parking lot that night, that day, just kind of contemplating and thinking about it and, <clears throat> and just with trying to wish it away thinking that that's not what we really needed but but being reality being you know real about it and saying okay so when i went inside to go see her to talk to her about it that night um because i really just wanted to ask her i wanted her to tell me desmond what she wanted me to do yep yep you know i needed for her to tell me what she wanted me to do and this was before I talked to my siblings or anybody. I wanted to have a conversation with her. But as God would have it, when I got to her room, they had just taken her down to dialysis. And this was about six o'clock in the evening. Her dialysis is three to four hours. So I decided to go ahead and leave. And that's when I, you know, contacted my siblings and told them what was going on and got a consensus for what we needed to do going forward, you know. But I still wanted to have a talk with her to, for her to tell. I wanted her to tell me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that, so when we finally had the meeting, um, to set the meeting to go in there and talk to her, you know, along with the doctors, and I took my oldest brother, Lonnie, with me, and um, my uncle, Keith, who is, as you know, is very tight with my mom, mm -hmm. and, um, and just pretty much the mouthpiece for her siblings. And um, we went in there, we talked to her, and the first thing she said when I got in the room that day, um, I said, hey, baby, how you doing? And she said, baby, I'm doing good. I'm getting better. Oh. Yeah. That oh, was tough. Man. You can imagine, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. Mm. Excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, and she said, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting better, baby. I'm getting better. And at that point, I didn't want to have that talk at all. Mm -mm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I was like, okay, well, we're not doing this today. 
You know what I'm saying? But I think the doctor saw and she sat us down again and was like, hey, we really need to have this conversation. You know what I mean? And and I praise God for her. Amen. Because she was really, she she really, you know, because we had a lot of a, a lot of questions. And one of the questions my Uncle Keith uh, asked her was, can you ensure us that you guys have done everything that you possibly can? Great question. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't thinking about that question. He says, because I don't think we should go any further unless we know that you guys have done everything that you can do. And the doctor said. And she said, yes. She said, looking through your mother's record, looking through her chart and seeing everything that has been done and everything that she's dealing with, I can confidently say we've done everything that we can do. Now, there was a surgery that was on on the table that my mom could have that could possibly, because when she failed, she actually hit um, injure her C3 and C4 vertebrae. That's in your back. It's in, right up in the top of your neck. I'm sorry. Right up in the top of your neck area. And um, so it, it definitely impacted her spine and and that was causing some of the paralysis that she was having. So they offered her to give her that surgery when she first went into the hospital. At first we said we were going to do it. <clears throat> but the prognosis for it was not great that it was going to help. Okay. There's a possibility that she was going to regain some mobility, but there's also a, a possibility, about an even possibility that nothing was going to happen. So to put her 79-year-old body through that without a real chance or a favorable chance of her condition improving, improving, you know, we we decided not to do it. But she had the ultimate decision on that. So how did that go to the talk when you had to say it? How did that go? What did, what did you say? How did she respond? Well, when we were having a talk with her about, she was under the impression that we were talking about her just going home. Mm. Um, just going home and um, not doing dialysis that day in the hospital or whatever. But part of the plan was that we had to stop dialysis in order, in order for her to go to, to hospice. Because that was a life-saving procedure. And it was deemed that, so one of the questions that we asked the, the doctor was, okay, so if she stays on dialysis, what happens? She said, if she stays on dialysis, she has, it'll probably extend her life weeks. Wow. That's it? Right. She said, it'll probably sustain her life weeks, um, not months. You know? If, if, just a caveat. If it was months, months, yeah. would you have done it? I think we would have done it because you still have hope that, you know, she can bounce back. Yeah, because one of the things that they said when when we when she was in that when she was in rehab, because in the rehab wasn't nothing really happening. Yeah, you know, she wasn't improving, and one of the reasons why she wasn't improving was because another health problem that she had was was the bed sores that she developed while she was in the, while she was in the hospital and in rehab. So that was a, a, a big barrier to her doing physical therapy mm-hmm. because she was in so much pain from that. So <clears throat> one of the things that one of the physical therapists said was, you know, we're, we're not able to do everything that we can with her. So if she gets home and she'll have um, individualized care, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, you know, the nerves will kind of kickstart, you know, okay. kick in and start to do other things. So you had that hope. 
in the back of your mind yeah. that with time, maybe she could regain some mobility. Okay. You know? So when she said weeks, not months, you know, you're like, wow. So my mom was really wasn't understanding that we were talking about um, stopping the dialysis. Okay. So when I when I told her that part of it, I was like, Mom, you have to understand. So we're talking about you not doing dialysis. She said, I don't want to do dialysis today. I said, No, Mom. We're talking about taking you off dialysis permanently. And that's when she got the gist of what we were talking about. And she hit me with the old baby, old baby, you know, and that's when it got really emotional because she really realized, you know, the the the, the situation. Like the magnitude of the magnitude of the situation. Now, now eternity is setting in. It's right in your face. Oh, my gosh. Bro. Yeah. It, yeah. So that was emotional. That's when she started crying. And I just kind of hugged her and I just put, I was crying and I put my face to her face, my mouth to her ear. And I was like, baby, please tell me what you want me to do. I was like, baby, please, please just tell me what you want me to do. You tell me what you want to do and that's what we will do. And she was just like saying, oh, David, oh, David, oh, David. And uh, it, it was emotional, man. It was tough. And... Mm. And um, we got ourselves together. Hmm. And she said, yeah. She said, baby, I just want to go home. Wow. She said, I just want to go home. I said, you're going home. Either way, you're going home. You know, we're <laughs> going to take you home. You're going to get in your bed. You're going to be in your room. You're going to be in your house. And we're just going to trust God to do what God's going to do. And she said, she just kept saying, I just want to go home. And it was like, okay, that's what we're going to do. So it was tough. It was tough. I'm sorry, I keep bumping the microphone. Hey, man, we amateurs, bro. <laughs> Hopefully, the, the editing software picks it up. At least makes it quieter, because you're killing that joint. I know, I keep bumping it. <laughs> let, me, let me slide back a little. Okay. All right. But, um... And then, obviously, she comes home, and pretty much four days later, she's gone. Yeah. 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 Um, that's a real uh, moving story. I've heard it before, but hearing it again in light of that she's gone now, uh, because I, I I always think, well, I always thought that seeing her seeing Pop die like that, I think it affected her. Yeah, you know, it definitely affected her. Because you said with Pop, he fought that thing. He did. You said he was like, yeah. I'm not. You will not get me, yeah. you know. So it was like he was with with um with grandma. It's a little. It's a bit. It's yeah. a bit different. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man. I think it was. I think it's. It's just good to have this. Like we're gonna have this for a long time to be able yeah. to go back and. That's why I wanted to get it down. Mm -hmm. Um. So my last two questions, and then we're out of here. You can keep them brief if you want. Number one, you're still going through it, but what would you just say to somebody who's about to lose their parent? Um, I guess the, the main thing is to cherish and squeeze every moment out of it 
that you can. You know what I mean? To, to just cherish that time and be patient and be so empathy. So um, show patience, show love. So, you know, extend mercy, extend grace with what they're going through. Um, and just cherish those moments, man. And, and, and stay strong in your faith. Prayerfully, they are children of faith. And if they're not, and you are, do what you need to do. <laughs> and also in those times, man, even if they are in, you know, in the faith, they're scared. You know, they're scared. My dad was terrified, man. Um, and my mom was scared also. I'm scared. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't know how that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you, I mean, you know, you really, you had, you understand what we believe and you're standing on it, but you're thinking, you really don't know. I don't know. I never died before. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what's going to happen when I take my last breath. You know, that's fair. That's very scary. There's a movie, X-Men, um, Sabretooth was talking to one of the guys and he was about to kill him. And the guy says, I'm not scared of death. Sabretooth looks at him and says, looks at him he says real quietly but you never tried it exactly yeah yeah so so with that being said one of the things to always try to is, is encourage them in a little you okay. know talk to them um re-emphasize to them what they believe okay you know and to 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 keep that in the that that's the conversation mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. and, I, and and that's what i just kept asking mom i said who's in charge you know, whose decision is it? You know, do you trust him? Do you believe him? You know, and she would start praising the Lord. Amen. You know, she would start praising the Lord, Amen. man. And, and that was the most important thing to me was to keep her grounded in that during that whole situation. And and we and that's what we all did, you know, playing the music, um, just talking about the Lord in front of her. And that would just, that would give her like energy that she didn't have. Amen. So... That's what, I would, that's what I would tell people is, you know, be patient. Um, cherish the moments and, and reemphasize to them, you know, the foundation of their faith. Amen. Amen. Last question. What does living intentionally for eternity mean to you? <laughs> wow. Living intentionally for eternity is understanding, taking hold of, and living, knowing that we're just, we're ambassadors here. Pilgrims. Pilgrims here. You know, to be of the world, be in the world, but not of the world. And that I hope our hope is in eternal life. So living, living intentionally for eternity, everything that we do and everything that we have, just understanding that we're doing it with eternity in mind. God doesn't ask us to be perfect. He asks us to be obedient and in an obedient doing everything that we can to bring glory to him. And, and, and I think we had this discussion before, even when we fail, obedience is recognizing what you did 
against God. Yep. You know, recognizing it, confessing it, turning away from it. That's obedience. So we're not perfect. We're going to fall. We're going to stumble. We're going to we're going to make mistakes. But God gives us a way back to him. And that obedience is taking that way back to him. Um, start keeping that relationship in every relationship that we have. It should be a godly relationship. That points us. That points us to eternity. So it's, it's, it's all about intentionality, knowing your purpose, the basic of our foundation. And, and a lot of times when we talk about this to people, they know it, but it's a reminder all the time. What were we created to do? Why are you here? Our purpose, the reason why we were created, is to bring glory to God. That is the basics of our of our faith, man. You know what I mean? To bring glory to God. So the easy question that we have to ask ourselves is what I'm doing, what I'm thinking about doing, the choice I'm about to make, how is that bringing glory to God? So easy to say. Right. So hard. But the fact that you're mindful enough and you're thinking about eternity enough that you even ask the question. Amen, my brother. Um, when you have an eternal perspective, choices become easier. Amen. <laughs> Amen. When you think this going to affect my grandchild, my child, this person is what? How does this help me lay up treasures for eternity in heaven? Yes. And if you ask yourself that question every single time, yes. I'm pretty sure you'll make the best choice. Not hundred percent. No. But you will make the best choice most of the time. And when you can, call on your brothers and sisters. Who yes. Can. Yes. My brother. My dad, the man who doesn't, his feet doesn't touch the ground when he walks. He levitates the smoothest dude I ever met in my life. I appreciate you, my brother. I think this went very well. Um, it was very organic. Here at Life, what we try to do is filter our thoughts through God's thoughts. Mm -hmm. Filter our views through God's views. Because the only view that matters is God's. The only thoughts that matter is His. And if you come... To two people who has a decision, let man be a liar and God be true. Amen. So here at Life, we like to end our show with a life point from the Bible. Um, and I think summarizing Grandma's life, I think Peter encourages us to live holy. Amen. To live a life of holiness. And when you do, you die in honor. Amen. You don't die in shame. You die in honor. So our life point today is coming from First Peter Chapter 1, verse 13 and 25. It says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially, According to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, pilgrims. Amen. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him, I believe, is in God who raised him up from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. 
Yes, Lord. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all is glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. She heard that news. She yes, Lord. She accepted it. And now she's been born to a new hope. Amen. Amen. Love y'all. Say bye to the people, Dad. Everybody, I really appreciate this opportunity. I can't thank Dez enough <clears throat> for the opportunity that presented before me. And I think this is a, a platform that is very well needed because our people need hope. And I pray that everyone... Um, gain something from this and it's something that you can hold on to and apply to your own life so thanks again and good night everybody good night love y'all peace